another episode of the Afterthoughts Archive, a digital diary for my future self. My name is Shiro, and today, if you're listening to this when it comes out, is my birthday. I'm not a person who gets particularly excited about my birthday, but it has nothing to do with aging. I honestly have zero issues with aging, and I'll probably be carded until I'm 40. But birthdays just tend to bring up a whole lot of feelings, cause a whole lot of reflection. I think about past birthdays, what I've accomplished since then, the people I've gained, the people I've lost, the goals I've yet to accomplish, the increasing pressure to get my life together, quote unquote. And all those thoughts at the same time make me want to curl up in a ball and disappear slash vomit. Last year, I actually spent my birthday crying Thanks to somebody who had the audacity to call me on my very day of birth to talk about their November birthday plans without even remembering to mention my birthday. And this wasn't a new friend. This is somebody that I've known for years at this point. So I was pissed off and very sad that they not only forgot my birthday, but chose that day of all days to call me up and launch into a soliloquy about their future birthday plans. Anyway, enough about them. This is about me. So since my birthday last year, I've experienced some highs, but I've also most definitely reached new depths of rock bottom. If I make it to the other side of this ongoing nightmare that is my current life, I'll probably share more in detail about all the bullshit that has literally tried to break me this summer. But until then, it's hashtag survival. So yeah, I have zero birthday plans this year and will likely just continue to socially isolate until I feel like I'm not drowning anymore. I know, I know, I know, I know. It's not healthy to isolate, yada, yada, yada. (sighs) But I don't really care right now. Right now, I feel a deep sense of hopelessness and trying to put that aside to hang out with people just feels impossible. As much as I'm loved and cared for, I also can't stand the thought of sharing what's happening in my life and having people tell me, it's all going to be okay, it's all going to be all right, because I don't believe you, because you can't guarantee that. I also just, I don't even want commiseration. Everything just feels pointless. I would say I'm sorry for making this episode depressing, but I'm not. I'm a glass half empty person and have been for as long as I can remember. And I find that when I share the depth of my glass half empty feelings, people tend to get uncomfortable and try to remedy their discomfort by changing the subject or offering some euphemism about persistence and the beauty of life. Which usually doesn't work because I don't believe that there's any intrinsic value in staying alive. Which again, when I say things like that, it tends to scare people. And they take that as a sign to try to walk me off the figurative edge of the cliff. Like, try to talk me down so I don't take drastic measures. And I get that it comes from a good place. But I don't share my feelings to try to be convinced differently or for some shock factor. Doesn't mean I can't find things to be grateful for. No, not at all. I'm grateful for a lot of things, but shit sucks. So when I say that there's no inherent value in choosing to stay alive, what I mean is that none of us chose to be here. 
So choosing to stay alive is no more valuable than choosing to end your life. We didn't consent to being born. We were all just brought here and expected to be motivated enough to sustain our own lives. Which, if you look outside to see the state of the world, is questionable? Growing up in Catholic school and having religion embedded into my education instilled many beliefs in me from the tender age of six. As a painfully shy kid who is terrified of authority, I aim to be the definition of a good kid. It was instilled in me that God could see everything. So I followed all of the commandments and all other man-made rules, even when I was alone. When I tell you, I was terrified of saying the Lord's name in vain. That's no joke. I was a person who always said, oh my gosh, oh my goodness, shiitake mushrooms, sugar honey iced tea. I, I was never trying to be caught slipping, cussing, because I was convinced that God would strike me down where I stood if I didn't follow in Jesus' footsteps. And I mean that literally. I have vivid memories of banners and posters around my school literally reminding us to follow in Jesus' footsteps. As I got older, my religion classes focused more and more on mature subjects. And to this day, I'll never forget the religion class where I learned the word euthanasia. Euthanasia is the practice of assisting and ending a person's life, usually to limit the suffering being caused by a terminal illness. It comes from the Greek words eu, which means good, and thanatos, which means death. So euthanasia directly translates to good death. Despite its etymology, I remember euthanasia being framed as equivalent to murder or homicide, which made it a crime in the Catholic Church and most countries around the world. As an adult who no longer subscribes to organized religion, I've done a lot of interrogating and releasing of the beliefs that Catholicism instilled in me. At the top of my list of released beliefs are my thoughts about life and death. And in shifting my thoughts around those topics, I've come to detest some of the ways we speak about life and death, the ways that we insert our feelings into people's autonomy. For example, I've heard people refer to abortion as selfish. I've heard people say that suicide is selfish. How somebody exercising their bodily autonomy is selfish is beyond me. I just, I don't get it. It's their life. They can do with it what they please. Does this mean I encourage people to take their own life? No, absolutely not. I just think that this world creates terrible circumstances for many of us and leads people to make decisions about what they can and cannot sustain. Those decisions look different for everybody. And I don't place blame on individuals for exercising that autonomy. In season three, episode two of Atlanta, the show, not the city. I, also, I promise this is related, okay? It, it might be a bumpy segue for a minute, but it's related. Anyway, in episode two of season three, there's actually a storyline about euthanasia, which if you haven't watched it, spoiler alert, I guess, question mark. But anyway, two of the characters randomly end up at a ceremony. 
they don't plan to be there. So the way that they come about this ceremony is very random and it's the results of previous shenanigans that they were up to. So it takes them a minute to figure out why everybody is dressed in white, but eventually they meet the death doula and they learn that it's a death ceremony. The death doula eventually shares that she's there to help her friend and the people who love him let go. The actual depiction of how this man dies is very jarring, to say the least, which uh, I think was a creative choice to match the absurdity of the show's tone. But at the core, I was pleasantly caught off guard by the storyline because it showed that death didn't have to be the scary, mysterious thing that we spend our lives running from. That even though we don't choose to be in this world, we actually do have a choice in the ways that we leave it. So on my birthday this year, I find myself thinking about death as much as I'm thinking about life. Thinking about how capitalism robs us of our time and our sense of self. The ways we're brainwashed to believe that our purpose lies within how successful we can be within a corporation, within a white supremacist imagination. How best we can serve the systems that seek to kill us. When in reality, our lives are meant to be our own even if that means we choose to do absolutely nothing with our lives. As an adult who was praised for being a gifted kid and fed all these ideas about how my worth was connected to the number of degrees I had, it was really difficult to rebuild a sense of self that didn't revolve around all these external projections. To this day, I still encounter aunties and uncles who haven't seen me in years asking me when I'm gonna get my masters. Hello? COVID is mutating every day. I can't see the sun because of the wildfires. Whole cities are flooding. I'm still paying back loans from undergrad and you're asking me about a master's that you don't even plan to pay for? Please see yourself to hell, respectfully. In a future episode, I think I'll go into depth about how much the concept of black excellence has failed me and why it will never be a true path for liberation. Um, but that's, that's for another day when I have more capacity and energy. And for those of you wondering, Bashiro, if you feel so hopeless, how are you making it through each day? Well, it would be lovely to say that I'm powered by sunshine and roses. But many days, I'm motivated by the fact that there are people and systems preying on my downfall. You'd be surprised how far spite and pettiness has taken me. When my mental health is in a better place, it's definitely easier to be motivated by my goals. And yes, I have good days when I can acknowledge that I'm loved and capable of greatness. But when I'm struggling to find an organic will to live, spite has come through for me where serotonin has failed. And so, on that note, I would like to bring this episode to a close. I am proud to even have done this because my capacity is barely here and I'm barely here. So I just wanted to see this commitment through to myself, put out this episode and yeah, just be able to say I did it. As always, I'd like to thank anyone that's listened this far. 
I realize that not everyone's brains work like mine, so my feelings on life and death sometimes stress people out. So I especially appreciate it if you've taken the time to sit through this and receive a perspective that could potentially make you uncomfortable. I'd love to know the thoughts and feelings this episode brought up for you. Were you a person who was raised to be scared of death? Had you heard of euthanasia before this episode? How does your culture and the people around you view life and death? Whatever you have to share, I'd love to hear from you. The email is theafterthoughtsarchive at gmail.com. That's T-H-E, after, as in not before, thoughts, as in the things in your head, archive, A-R-C-H-I-V-E at gmail.com. Until next time, stay black and stay alive or not.